Hi, I'm Steve Thomas. This is Cacophony. Let's dive into some great music. Music that's warm, generous and fun. Sometimes in life, the most unexpected things happen at the most unexpected time. It's worth remembering if you're at a low ebb that things can change pretty much in an instant. And if this episode happens to find you at a low ebb, then perhaps Haydn's music will help inject just a bit of a smile. Imagine that you've worked at the same, slightly out-of-the-way place for 30 years, and then your boss for practically all of that time dies. You're already 59, and your new boss doesn't much care for your line of work, and sacks most of your colleagues, who you've managed for years and who are like an extended family, and cuts your salary. What to do? This was the situation in which composer Franz Joseph Haydn found himself on the death of his employer in late 1790. There's another way of looking at it, of course, which is that Haydn, the most celebrated composer in Europe, and at the peak of his powers, had just become, more or less, a free agent. First to spot the opportunity was violinist and concert promoter Johann Peter Salomon. The story goes, and this is a rare cacophony story that I'm not about to squish like so many others, that he raced to Vienna, turned up without warning and announced, I'm Salomon from London, and I've come to fetch you. Tomorrow we will make the agreement. On New Year's Day, 1791, Salomon and Haydn crossed the channel. Haydn had never even seen the sea before. And they were bound for the most thriving city on earth, London. And so began a long, late-in-life adventure, as Haydn would stay in London for two years, and then quickly come back for another two. London was huge, its population around one million, when the next biggest city in the country, Bristol, had only 30,000. And London was getting fat on the cash beginning to flow into it from India. At this time, music was all the rage. As the Times put it, from east to west, and extending from the highest to the lowest classes of society. There was a fierce rivalry between Salomon and the other major concert promoter. Haydn was Salomon's big-name signing, pre-season if you like, his big box-office jaw for the year's music ahead. Haydn was unveiled, shown off. And then in March, at Salomon's first concert, they premiered the first symphony he'd written, especially for the London audience. It's now numbered 96. It's our piece for this episode. Haydn had already found himself fated everywhere he went. A week after arriving, he writes in a letter, My arrival caused a great sensation throughout the whole city, and I went the round of all the newspapers for three successive days. Everyone wants to know me. I had to dine out six times up to an hour, and if I wanted, I could dine out every day. Like so many new arrivals before and since, me definitely included, Haydn loved it here. Loved looking at this endlessly huge city of London, whose various beauties and marvels quite astonished, he said. And, like most of us, Haydn was shocked at the cost of living. I have nice and comfortable, but expensive lodgings. My landlord is Italian, and also a cook, and serves me four very respectable meals. We each pay 30 kroner a day, excluding wine and beer, but everything is terribly expensive here. In his letters, this is a theme he returns to often. Whilst he was doing very nicely, he was frequently put out at how much of his earnings went on rent, 
food, the music side of things, and the expenses of London living. He could have cut costs by taking up more of those dinner offers, but then he found there was no time to do any work. Always a tricky balance. Of his first concert, Haydn wrote that he created a furor with this new symphony, and it's a piece that's full of life and energy. This is great classical music in the literal sense. This classical period was all about architecture and beauty and clarity somehow. Music of clean lines and the right proportions, like a classical temple. There's something inherently pleasing about it, and there's this weird thing deep within us, from all of the music we've ever listened to, that means we think we know how this music goes, even if we've never heard it before. Even if you know nothing of the theory of music and harmony, you know, you hear in your head, what the right chord or notes are to end a phrase, and so on. So even if you're new to this piece, it's somehow familiar music. It's what we expect classical music to sound like. And where Haydn is such a genius is that he knows this too. He knows that we know what to expect, and he finds ever-inventive ways in which to not give us that. To subvert, to undermine, to delay. Haydn plays with us. Plays with us like someone with a ball on a string playing with a cat. We're the cat. And he asks us questions. The pianist and musicologist Robert Levin says that he's always asking the same question, and it's whether we want to hear what's coming next. And the answer is always yes. Like here, at the end of the potential fueled opening, what's going to happen next? Haydn wasn't just canny with his audiences, he knows how to treat his players too. And in this first symphony, he gives two big solos. In the third movement, to the oboe, who's the star wind player in any orchestra. And at the end of the slow second movement, to the two lead violinists. And one of those parts would have been played by Salomon himself. It's almost as if he wants to get the key figures on side. And, you know, it can be good to make your new employer look good. The London audience that first night in March 1791 loved the slow movement so much it had to be repeated before they could continue. Haydn was told this had never before occurred in London and it made him very happy. The last movement is a scamp to the finish. Slightly mischievous, I think. One of the big draws to get Haydn to come to London was that Salomon had a band of very high-quality players and he had more of them. Trumpets and drums hadn't always been available to Haydn back in Esterhazy in Austria, but Salomon had them, and there were more strings too, which enables Haydn to write on a grander scale than before. And this, I think, is Haydn's last joke for this particular piece, because he doesn't take that bait. He threatens to unleash the full forces of the orchestra, but prefers the light touch of dancing strings and flute. 
Haydn chooses not to overwhelm us, but to delight us. I need to give you the obligatory symphony nickname explainer or debunker. Like so many of Haydn's symphonies, this one has a nickname. I guess it makes sense when you have 104 of them. This one is The Miracle. So-called because a chandelier fell from the ceiling of the packed venue near the end of the gig, injuring no one because so many were pressed up at the front trying to get close to Haydn. And it's yet another erroneous nickname because it happened during a performance of a different piece. The Symphony Number no. 102, which doesn't have a nickname. Although I've now seen that listed as the real Miracle Symphony, but never seen number 96 described as not the Miracle Symphony. Is that all clear then? Great. So this is the point at which lazier podcasters would say, but it doesn't matter about the title, because the music is nothing short of miraculous. But you'd never catch me saying anything as cliched as that. Never. So not miraculous then, but perfectly crafted. 20 minutes of invention, good humour, play, music to relish, and put a smile on our faces. Click on the links in the notes with the podcast, and have a listen, and then tell me what you think of Haydn's Symphony No. 96. You can leave us a short voice message, or a comment at cacophonyonline.com, or use Facebook or Twitter. If you'd like to support Cacophony financially, you can send me something to help via the link to coffee.com, like Anne did this week. Thanks very much for your support, Anne. I'm delighted that you're enjoying the podcast, and hope that continues. Most importantly, though, please share Cacophony with everyone you know. Let's spread this great and life-enhancing music and help us all to hear more, feel more and be more. Please come back for more next time. Thanks for listening.